On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla's drive-in supercharger slash diner in Hollywood gets one step closer to becoming a reality, the price of the Model S and Model X's yoke goes way up, the three barn find original roadsters are back on the market, and more. Greetings, friends. Welcome to your September 10th, 2023 edition of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. This is episode 423. And last week, man, what a fun week that was. I hope you enjoyed last week's podcast. I've actually heard from a number of you who have ordered Model S plaids specifically. Not a surprise because if you're listening to this podcast, odds are you're a Tesla enthusiast, not just a Tesla owner. So I was corresponding with a few of you, just sort of trying to live vicariously through you a little bit. Super happy for all of you who are able to now uh, upgrade and pick up a car that you maybe never thought you'd be able to. Now, on that note, I had a random thought after all of the Model S and Model X price cut insanity last week, and it's this. It's, it's a good you know, 10,000 foot view perspective, as I like to do on this podcast from time to time. The Model S is now cheaper than what I paid for my performance Model 3 five years ago. And that Model S for $75,000, that's cheaper than the 77 I paid for my performance 3. And then when I added the $3,000 full self-driving option, it was really 80. Uh, even if you were to take that off, it's still, the price is about the same, especially when you factor inflation into it. But in any case, my point being, the S now being cheaper than what I paid for my Performance 3 five years ago, and that Model S is a better car by every metric. Performance is pretty close. It's rated, the S, the base standard range S, excuse me, long range S, is rated at the same 3.1 second zero to 60 as the Performance Model 3, but by all accounts, after 60 miles an hour and, and in the quarter mile, the Model S pulls harder and will do a quicker quarter mile time. So if you were to pit them head to head against each other, the Model S long range would win. So you've got better performance, better range, because you can get 406 miles of range on the long range Model 3 compared to my car, which was technically in 2018 rated at 310 miles, but realistically they weren't really factoring in the 20 inch wheels properly. So it wasn't even that much. So more performance, more range, and obviously more features too, with the additional screens in the interior, the ventilated seats, the uh, dynamic air suspension, all kinds of goodies that the S has that my performance model three doesn't. So uh, it's really crazy to think about in just that five year time span. And really I'll even go back further than that. It's the same gap, the sort of the Tesla has, has closed that same gap in the same way that my performance model three that I got five years ago was better than my cousin Patrick's performance 80, excuse me, P85, Model S 
from five years before that, which he got in early 2013. He paid $104,000 for that car. So I paid about, you know, 75, 80% of what he paid. And my car was better in every way than his. The range, the performance, the, of course, my car had autopilot features, which Pat's never did. You know, the early Model S's obviously did not have that. So the whole point of this is to say, Tesla is moving really fast, and that is a good thing for the EV movement. It is just the the more features for less money, always, always, always a good thing. In fact, on the topic of the Model 3, the big story last week was, of course, finally we got the reveal of the new Project Highland Model 3. So I asked all of you what you thought of it in this week's Patreon poll The question asking simply, what do you think of the new Model 3? 76% of you saying, I love it. With 10% saying, I like it, but I was hoping for more. 11% saying, I'm indifferent to it. Just 2% of you saying, I don't like it, slash, I like the old Model 3 better. And then another 2% just wanted to see the results of the poll. So overwhelmingly, Amongst us Tesla enthusiasts here listening to this podcast, the Highland is a success in terms of its curb appeal, right? It is. And I would I would be one of the people that voted in that 76%. I also love it. I think it is absolutely fantastic, as I talked in detail about on last week's podcast. Hey, on the subject of the new Model 3, one more quick bite about that that we've learned in the week since Highland was revealed. And that is, it's got a blind spot monitor, like an actual hardware built-in piece of equipment, not the software hacked version that we've had in our cars for a while. It is in the form of a light that's located inside the speaker grill, the one that's up closest to the side view mirror at the top of your door. So that was confirmed this past week when some astute members of the Tesla community noticed that the Model 3 owner's manual got updated online to reflect the new Model 3, the Highland. I personally, I've talked about this, I'm sure there are timestamps somewhere in one of the other 400-something episodes of this podcast, but I definitely remember talking about this on the podcast before. This is something I've wanted to see Tesla add for a long time because it's a safety issue, in my opinion, not not just for you, the driver of the Tesla, but also for the people around you, the other cars on the road. And that goes, of course, for any car that has a blind spot monitoring system. So I'm so glad to see that Tesla is finally doing it. It also makes me wonder about the rest of the lineup. Is the Model S and Model X going to get this as well in the very near future? Are they going to be added into the, to those cars? Is the Cybertruck going to have something similar as well? Obviously, we don't have a Cybertruck owner's manual that's publicly online yet. We don't have any videos of the Cybertruck moving from inside the cabin as of yet, either the production version, I mean, the release candidate versions. We obviously do have those videos from the prototype, the night of the unveiling. But it does leave me wondering, will the Cybertruck have something similar? Will the S and the X get it soon as well? As for the Model Y, it's fair to presume that that car will get it around this time next year, which is when we're expecting the Project Juniper Model Y refresh 
that should mirror a lot of the same features that the Highland has introduced. I, it sure would be nice to have it on the Cybertruck specifically, though, given that that's the next new Tesla vehicle that's coming out. The truck is big. It would be really nice to have that built-in blind spot monitoring system. And the good news is we shouldn't have to wait too much longer to find out. Now, speaking of the Model S and, and the X in this case, another much smaller than what we had last week change occurred in the design studio, but a nevertheless interesting and notable change to the design studio of SNX. And that would be the steering yoke, which of course debuted with the refreshed SNX in 2021. For the longest time, it was standard. It was the only thing you could get on the new SNX earlier this year. In fact, what, right at the beginning of the year, I think it was. Yeah, right was right around the time I interviewed Franz because I think I got to ask him about it right as it had happened. The new, The steering wheel became the new default, but you could choose whether you wanted wheel or yoke in your SRX at no cost. It was just pick whichever one you want and they both are included in the price of the car. Then more recently, the yoke got bumped up to become a $250 option on the S and the X. Well, now it is still an option, but the price of the yoke has gone up to $1,000. Now, this kind of massive jump in price to me screams one thing, and that's that Tesla is going to discontinue the yoke entirely pretty soon on the S and the X. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised. This is speculation. Let me clarify. But I wouldn't be surprised if Tesla has already told their supplier to stop making them and that this might just be the last batch of them that Tesla is now going through and putting a bigger markup on it. Because quite frankly, $1,000 is insane. That is not a price I would personally be willing to pay for a yoke. Uh, or to phrase that as a really bad dad joke, because I am a dad, a thousand dollars, you must be yoking. Sorry, that'll be the only one of those for the entire podcast, I promise. But uh, if to me, it says if Tesla's charging that much, a thousand dollars, that Nobody's choosing it. Otherwise, they wouldn't goose up the price that high. To me, $250 was reasonable. Like, okay, we're we're making the wheel the default, but we have the yoke if you'd like it. And because it's a little bit of an inconvenience to our manufacturing process, then we're going to charge you a little something here, $250. And in fact, I would say that if I had the bank account to be able to upgrade to a Plaid right now, with the price drops and with the FSD transfer still going for a few weeks here, I would choose the yoke. I def, I absolutely would. I, I've spent a little bit of time with it. I do love the aesthetics of it. I would choose it. And I know obviously a lot of people didn't, but I would pick it. Now, I, the reason I bring that up is to say I would be willing to pay $250, $1,000, uh-uh, too rich for my blood. I would not pay that. And I think Tesla knows it just in general, that $1,000 is is getting uh, quite pricey for that option. So I suspect we are going to see the yoke go away on the S and the X entirely pretty soon. I guess we'll stay tuned 
to see if I'm right or wrong. I'm not looking to be right on this, by the way, because as I always say, more options for the consumer is a good thing. I would like there to be a choice. So if it's got to be a $1,000 option, I hope it sticks around. But my gut says with going from $250 to $1,000 overnight, that Tesla is looking to make this thing go away. Uh, One more note on the Model S and X. Those price cuts, again, there was such a huge piece of news last week on the back of Highland that I decided, well, I gotta, I'm not gonna choose which of these two mega topics to do for this week's Patreon poll. I'll just put up a second poll. Why not? It's, it doesn't cost me anything. It's free for you to vote in. You don't have to be a Patreon backer to vote in the polls each week, which you can find every week at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. And so here are the results of the bonus poll for this week. And the question was, do the Model S and X price drops make you think about those cars any differently? 34% of you said, these price drops make me consider the S and X, whereas before I would not have. So I think that's pretty telling. A full third of you that responded in this poll are now like looking, you know, the the S and X are in your purview now, which is something that I talked about on last week's podcast. Just 5% of you said, I am now definitely planning to buy an S or an X as my next car. So not too too many folks there, but 17% of you saying that the S and the X are still out of my price range, I would be in that group. 20% of you said, I'm not interested, slash the three and Y meet my needs perfectly well. And 23% of you, I knew I had to make this a poll option or else the comments would be filled with it, with this this same phrasing in in some form or another. So had to throw it in there. And sure enough, 23% of you said, I'm waiting for the Cybertruck as my next Tesla purchase. But I still found those poll results very interesting, a very interesting, pardon me, that a full third of you, 34%, said you would now consider the SNX, whereas before at the previous prices, you would not have. All right. Uh, I hope all of you that are backing me on Patreon, again, you don't have to back me to vote in the poll each week. You do have to back me on Patreon, though, at that $10 a month tier or higher to get access to each week's lightning round bonus mini episode. And I hope that if you are not already backing me on Patreon, that at some point, hopefully this week, maybe next week, hopefully soon, that you will consider doing so because I do put a lot of effort, time, love, research, and enthusiasm into this podcast. So this week's lightning round topic for those Patreon backers was about my final predictions for Cybertruck pricing and options. So I'd I'd done this before months ago as a lightning round topic. And with, with production of Cybertruck seemingly imminent, and we've had all these price drops, not just on the S and the X, but at the beginning of the year on the Model Y and some drops on the Model 3 over that time as well, I thought it would be a good time to revise those predictions for what I think the prices are gonna be on the Cybertruck and what I think the available options are gonna be as well. So. Head on over to patreon.com slash Podcast if you'd like to consider joining my Patreon, backing my efforts here on the podcast on Patreon so that you can get access to 
all, all 60-something now of those lightning round weekly bonus mini episodes. And I'll add too, if you'd rather just pledge once a year, the annual pledge gets you a 10% discount versus doing so month to month. So feel free to take advantage of that. And there's now that seven day free trial on that $10 a month tier specifically. If you'd like to sign up for that and just see what being a, a Patreon backer is like for a week and the perks that you get, and the uh, little community that we've got going on on Patreon as well. Okay, time to get started with this week's proper news. There are a few interesting stories to discuss this week. First up, Tesla has won permit approval for its diner and drive-in movie supercharger in Los Angeles. According to documents seen by Teslarati from the LA Department of Building and Safety, Tesla's drive-in movie theater and diner supercharger site that would host 32 stalls, two screens to show famous movie clips, and a restaurant with rooftop seating. Initially, it was planned to be built on a series of lots in Santa Monica. However, the location was moved to East Hollywood, or excuse me, moved east to Hollywood, and will now be located at 7001 West Santa Monica Boulevard. In late July, Tesla received approval for the restaurant to grade the area, build walls, and build movie screens on the lot. More recently, on August 9th, the initial grading inspection was completed and approved, so Tesla essentially has the green light to finally move forward with the project. Well, I love that this is happening. I love it. I'm not sure I would make a a special trip all the way down from San Francisco, but it would definitely be one of those things where the the next time I was in LA, whether it was with my car or not, I would absolutely make a little Tesla pilgrimage over to go see it. And I'll, I'll preface my next point by saying, I don't say this to take shots at other automakers, but it is fair to say You don't see stuff like this from any other car companies or, for that matter, other fast-charging companies slash alliances. They just don't do anything like this because, well, probably because they're too busy trying to play catch-up on building out chargers themselves. So, to me, I see this project as, A, super fun, but to me, this is Tesla raising the bar, saying, hey, we can make fast charging your electric car really fun. We, In fact, we can make it a lot more fun than filling up your internal combustion engine car's gas tank at a gas station. See, we've got a drive-in, a movie theater, a restaurant, like come hang out. It's fun. It's, you know, you can make it a little destination. I mean, for those of you that live in LA, I can see this being a legitimate hangout spot for LA and Hollywood area Tesla owners. And I'm not even necessarily just talking about the local Tesla club, although I'm sure the local Tesla club will plan some meetups there as well. I just think if Tesla plays its cards right, and really by that I mean have really awesome and delicious food, then I think this could really take off, like legitimately be a thing in LA that gets talked about and it's like, oh, have you gone to the Tesla dine-in supercharger? That is going to be really fun to see once it opens. And in fact, 
on that note, what I really would love to see, and I hope that Tesla's thinking along the same lines here, I hope that Tesla hires a really brilliant chef to design the menu. Kind of like how, if you've heard about this story, the creators of South Park, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, they bought the famous Denver area restaurant that they grew up with, Casa Bonita. They bought it, they completely remodeled it, and then they hired a Michelin star chef to seriously elevate its menu, which had had in the past, in their childhood, kind of had this reputation of being not great food. Now, Tesla's starting from scratch here, so they're not having to elevate anything, but I still hope that that Tesla is gonna take this, take the food side of this really seriously and put some serious effort and thought into it. In fact, the menu, if you ask me, not that I should be consulted, but I do, I am here talking on a Tesla podcast, so here you go. I would like to see the menu have some Tesla-themed foods on it, hopefully with some plant-based options in the interests of sustainability, in addition to what I also hope will be just a good old-fashioned, greasy and delicious diner cheeseburger. You could do something like the plaid burger. Could be like a double cheeseburger, kind of an in-and-out type of thing, and have it, you know, either with meat or with impossible patties. You could order it either way. And maybe because it's a plaid burger, it should have some crazy stuff on it, like an egg, onion rings, that kind of stuff. How about maybe some full self sliders? Eh? They could serve Giga Beer there. That would be a cool thing to bring in from, from Germany, from uh, over in the European side of the business. They could also serve Tesla tequila there as well. I'm telling you, I think that we could come up with a really fun list of menu options for this thing. Uh, so that is going to be that, and that is this thing is almost certainly going to supplant Kettleman City as the coolest supercharger in the world. Because I still think, not that I've been to all of them, but I still think Kettleman City's probably the best one just because it has that private lounge when you when you set it as your destination in the supercharger, in the, in the menu on your car screen, it shows the door key code. Like nobody, people can't just walk in off the street. You've gotta have the key code and you get the key code from the screen of your Tesla. So it's this private lounge for Tesla owners and they've got a barista in there making coffee, making cappuccino. They've got a little merch stand in there. They've got desks, little cubicles, couches, very nice clean restrooms. It's, it is a really, like, I still think it's probably the best supercharger. If I'm missing one, if there's just a, a truly awesome deluxe supercharger out there that you think would rival what I just described with Kettleman City, I'd legitimately love to know about it. So please email me, teslapodcast at gmail.com, and please tell me about it. But in any case, I think this dine-in and, excuse me, drive-in and diner, I'm blending those two things when I should not, I really think this Hollywood supercharger is going to very instantaneously become the coolest supercharger in the world when it opens. And speaking of superchargers, congratulations to the supercharging team at Tesla. There's an entire team of folks that works on superchargers and 
opening up new sites and, and making all of them happen. So congrats to that team. And, and really by extension, congratulations to all of us Tesla owners who get to benefit from it because uh, the 50,000th supercharger was opened this past week. So 50,000 superchargers in just over a decade and the pace of them is only quickening. I'm sure if you went from 2012 to 2017, it was a growth curve, obviously, but I suspect that curve has has gotten much steeper from 2017, 2018 here to 2023. So great stuff from the Tesla supercharging team, 50,000 superchargers worldwide. Next this week, an update on the three barn find original Tesla Roadsters, these zero mile cars that I've talked about a couple of times before. They, last we knew, they had a bid of $2 million for all three of them. Well, the latest update is that the Tesla Roadster Trio that was found abandoned in shipping containers in China earlier this year has lost its top bidder of $2 million. This was confirmed by Pete Gruber from Gruber Motors, friend of the show, he's been on here, and he told Tesla Roddy that information, so that is uh, firsthand reporting. Gruber said he expects that the bidding, quote, frenzy could, quote, reignite. So the three roadsters that were purchased by a Chinese OEM over a decade ago, this is Tesla Roddy's right up here, so thanks to them, uh, that was purchased by that Chinese OEM over a decade ago for research and development purposes, sat stagnant in shipping crates as the company went bankrupt. Earlier this year, they were uncovered and Gruber was put in charge of handling a bidding war and shipping for the three cars. They were set to arrive in Long Beach, California on August 17th. Tesla, uh, excuse me, Tesla Roddy reached out to Gruber recently to see if the vehicles had made it safely as Hurricane Hillary had recently landed in Southern California, causing some heavy winds and rain there. Shipping was delayed due to the storm, and the vehicles currently are on a ship that is off the coast of Vietnam. However, Gruber also said that the bidder who placed a $2 million offer for the three vehicles had backed out. According to Gruber, the bidder had plans to put the three vehicles on the road as part of an EV leasing company out of Canada. The $2 million price tag seemed to be a reasonable deal considering the money people would pay to take a spin in Tesla's original vehicle. However, not everyone was supportive of the idea. Gruber was against the idea and felt that these cars should be museum pieces as they are the first quote-unquote barn find EVs. His opinions did not influence the decision of the buyer. Quote from Mr. Mr. Gruber, as a dating service, we have to limit our advice to tech support and leave personal opinions and preferences out of the equation. Instead, the issue with finding an insurance carrier that would have a policy to cover three cars that are more than 10 years old and deal with the lack of availability of parts for a Roadster was more of a challenge than initially thought. This made the bidder back out of their commitment. However, the Roadsters are set to arrive in the U.S., this past week, they should be here now. Gruber told Tesla Roddy that after the vehicles arrive in the U.S., they are cleaned 
and then his company expects the auction to pick back up and the bidding frenzy to, again, quote, reignite. Well, first of all, uh, I'm just fascinated by this story. So I know this is the, what, third or fourth time that I've talked about it. I had Pete Gruber himself on to talk about it a little bit. But I just, I love this story. I think this is just such a fun community interest story. You know, again, it's, it's a first. We've never had this happen in the Tesla verse before where a zero mile, quote unquote, classic Tesla is discovered. I mean, the Roadster obviously was Tesla's first car. It's obviously the oldest. I mean, I, I've, I've never heard of a zero mile signature red model or even just signature series. Well, I won't even limit to the limit it to the color, but I, I've never heard of a zero mile signature series model S that could potentially kind of fit into this same category. So this really is a unique situation here. But as I've said before, I am 100% with Pete Gruber on this. I am of the opinion that these cars should be preserved as is rather than put on the road. But I don't have $2 million to have any say in that decision. So yeah, that's that's all I can say about it is just my little opinion piece here on the podcast. But that said, I am of the respectful opinion that the previous high bidders plan to lease them would not have been a smart way to go. And the reason that I say that, again, I don't say it maliciously, but I just don't think that would be a good idea because I can't imagine that anyone is going to pay enough money to drive these three cars specifically in a rental scenario versus any other Roadster and what a Roadster with miles would command to rent it for a short amount of time. I just don't see that recouping the cost of of $2 million, let alone becoming a profitable entity in time, especially after the first person rents it, rent, oh, you know, each of the three of them and puts miles on them. After that, they, they're just roadsters with miles on them. Like, oh, well, sure, it may only be 200 miles, maybe you just, you know, you rented it for a couple days, but it's, and okay, maybe there's still a little bit of a novelty to renting and driving around an original Roadster with a couple hundred miles on it, but the zero mile, that's, the the first person gets the real special privilege there, being, you know, on a short list of people that got to say, I drove a zero mile Tesla Roadster. The other people that would rent it or lease it it's a, it's a diminish it's a literal diminishing value at that point. So I, I just don't see how that is a smart business plan personally, but, uh, I don't know. What do I know? I guess I, if you want to start a leasing company with roadsters, just do what longtime listener and Patreon backer Joe Edgel did buy a roadster with miles on it for normal market value. And from there, you'll have an exponentially easier time making your money back on the deal over time because you're not spending, you're spending $200,000 instead of $2 million. Elon, of course, is fond of using the term order of magnitude. You'd be spending an order of magnitude less money to just buy a Roadster on the open market that has some miles on it versus buying these three 
zero mile cars for two mil and putting them on the road. Um, so anyway, as if it's, if it's not obvious already, I'm very selfishly glad that this buyer backed out given his stated intention for the cars. And now moving forward, we will see how high the bidding gets. Now, $1 million seemed quite high, but also if I'm being honest, it seemed fair to me because that would be $333,333 per zero mile roadster, which is well above market value on any other roadster for sale that has a normal amount of mileage on it. $2 million to me for the three of them, that seemed pretty wild. So I don't know if the bidding will get back to that height again, but there's no doubt that the three of them together are almost certainly going to fetch seven figures. So the saga continues on this with the slight irony that the cars, at least for a while, until they arrived back here in the U.S., were back in a shipping container. So (laughs) I'm glad they're they're, uh, now being tended to. Next up this week, turning the topic back to superchargers, the V4 supercharger rollout has been quite slow thus far, but it is happening. The UK just recently got its first V4 stall. I saw this story written up on drivingelectric.com who writes, the new V4 Tesla supercharger won't just be for the exclusive use of the electric car maker's own models, but will also be open to all electric car drivers provided their car has a CCS charging port. Again, remember we're talking about the UK here. While Tesla drivers can simply drive up and plug in as normal, non-Tesla owners can make use of the V4's new screen and contactless payment terminal. Introduced in line with the UK government's new regulations surrounding electric car charging ease and transparency, the small display will set out the price of charging in pence per kilowatt hour, with users able to pay via a QR code that takes them to the Tesla smartphone app or by tapping their card on the contactless payment reader. This isn't the only quality of life update for the V4, however. Tesla's newest ultra-rapid charger includes a much longer 3-meter cable in order to cater to vehicles with charge ports in unusual places, such as the MGZS EV with its grill-mounted charging flap, or the Honda E, which must be charged via the port in the bonnet. There's also cars like the Audi Q8 e-tron and the Porsche Taycan, which have their charge ports mounted on the wing, all surely benefiting from the longer reach of the new cable. Speaking to Drive Electric, Tesla claimed that all V4 superchargers are, quote, future-proof and are capable of, quote, even higher charging speeds than the same 250 kilowatt that the V3s can do now. At this stage, no one at Tesla was willing to give us exact figures, but it's possible the new V4 supercharger could match the 350 kilowatt speeds of the Ionity Ultra Rapid Charging Network. So thank you to drivingelectric.com for that. Well, I wonder if Tesla is taking this rollout slowly specifically because of the shifting regulations and the need to future-proof the V4s as much as possible. Because after all, there are already so many superchargers out there, particularly in North America, 
that it is going to take a long, long time before the V4s outnumber the V3s. Whereas when the V3s rolled out, it was still relatively early on when there were way more fast chargers than the competition, but still not a huge amount, amount in the grand scheme of things. And so now the V3s seem to outnumber the V2s. Now, I will say I don't have data on that, though technically such data should exist if anybody has kept track. Technically, you could pour through all of the supercharger sites and find that data and double check that I'm correct. But anecdotally speaking, it's true in California where we've got a rather large sample sizes worth. But anyway, it's gonna take a while for the V4s to become the norm. And now that the supercharger network is opening up to other automakers, Tesla has to make sure to get these V4s right. So they've got a couple of things working against them in terms of ever doing a V5 with significant changes someday. The V4 has gotta take everything into account, both for future Teslas, including the Cybertruck and the Generation 3 car, as well as the next generation of EVs from other automakers. So I'm not sure we're gonna see V5s for quite some time, if maybe ever, potentially, but in any case, I can't wait for the V4 rollout to speed up because it's just gonna be cool to see what they're ultimately capable of. In fact, I would say just to kind of bring it to the near future in there, in that statement, I wonder how long it'll be before most of us get the opportunity to supercharge at any one of them. And of course, my UK listeners, you've got one you can go check out. And my European listeners, there's what? There's the one in Norway, I think. And there's a couple more, but here in North America, nothing yet. Uh, next up this week, this one, this story I will confess was left over from last week and I didn't get to it in all of the Highland and SNX price cut excitement. Tesla has rolled out its latest supercomputers to help train the autopilot neural nets. I saw this on Data Driven Investor, who writes, Tesla, the pioneering electric car manufacturer, is on the cusp of unveiling a groundbreaking development in artificial intelligence and high-performance computing. The company is about to unleash its eagerly awaited AI cluster armed with an impressive arsenal of 10,000 NVIDIA H100 compute GPUs. The launch of this supercomputer, which has been eagerly anticipated by tech enthusiasts and industry insiders alike, is set to mark a pivotal moment in the realms of AI, autonomous driving, and high-performance computation. At the core of Tesla's new AI cluster are the remarkable 10,000 NVIDIA H100 compute GPUs. This cluster brings to the table an awe-inspiring peak performance of 340 FP60 floor petaflops catered towards intricate technical computing tasks and a staggering 39.58 INT8 exaflops tailored for AI applications. I will confess, I don't know what the heck I just told you means. To put this in perspective, Tesla's supercomputer boasts a remarkable 340 FP64 petaflops, which overtakes the capabilities of Leonardo, 
the world's fourth highest ranking supercomputer with its 304 FP64 petaflops. Elon Musk later added via Twitter, quote, training compute should soon not be so much of a limiting factor. It's very difficult bringing the 10,000 H100 cluster online, by the way. Similar experience to bringing our now 16,000 A100 cluster online. Uptime and performance are low at first, then improve with lots of work by Tesla and NVIDIA, end quote. Well, my gaming computer knowledge doesn't quite go deep enough to fully grasp this, as I readily admit here, nor do I have any real knowledge about these kinds of supercomputers, but obviously, with the context we got there about the Leonardo computer, this is a big deal. This is one of those under-the-hood, behind-the-scenes big deals that probably won't ever really get recognition, but will go a long way towards helping Tesla achieve its cloud computing and AI training goals. I mean, Elon, if you think about it, he doesn't publicly show a lot of love to too many companies, but he has done exactly that for NVIDIA on multiple occasions, including in that tweet that I just read you, because NVIDIA seems to be the only ones able to meet Tesla's insatiable need for more cloud computing power. Neat stuff here, neat stuff. Finally this week, Here's something that you probably didn't expect. I sure didn't anyway. Tesla has launched, seemingly launched, a new promotion in China, partnering with an unlikely ally in the form of McDonald's to launch a Cybertruck-inspired spoon for the McFlurry dessert. This story comes via Drive Tesla Canada, and I should, I should just uh, preface this by saying... Elon was made aware of this on Twitter and said he didn't know anything about it. So some people took that to mean that this isn't really a thing. This isn't a thing that Tesla is actually doing in China. That's maybe McDonald's going rogue here, but it, I, it, his interpretation or his, his statement could also just mean that he just wasn't aware of this promotion that was going on. So with that caveat, I'm going to read you this Drive Tesla Canada story anyway, because whether it's directly connected to Tesla or not, it's still kind of amusing. Drive Tesla Canada writes, the promotion, and this is where the legitimacy, I think, comes into play, which is why I am choosing to, to report this to you. The promotion was announced by Tesla's official Weibo account in China, as well as McDonald's, uh, McDonald's on Zhao Hongshu, another popular social media platform in the country. According to the details of the promotion, the Cyberspoon will be available from September 6th to September 26th, although they likely won't last that long as they will only be making 50,000 Cyberspoons available during that time. The Cyberspoon comes in its own special powered by Tesla packaging to keep it safe once you have devoured your Oreo McFlurry. The handle is also etched with the words, don't panic, a phrase borrowed from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and which also appeared on the Tesla Roadster that was sent into space aboard the SpaceX Falcon Heavy rocket in 2018. First of all, for all the talk about Tesla advertising, 
this has to count as advertising, right? It's got to. But second of all, uh, this makes no sense to me whatsoever because to the best of our collective knowledge, there are no plans to sell the Cybertruck in China. So why on earth is there a Cyberspoon promotion going on at McDonald's over there? So I got to admit, this one has me scratching my head. I mean, it's funny. Don't get me wrong. It's pretty neat. But in all honesty, I just don't get why either party wanted to do this. I mean, if the reason is because it's fun, sure, I'm totally on board with that. I'm not trying to sit here and be a grumpy old guy shaking his fist at a cloud, but it, it, this one doesn't make a ton of sense to me. However, I'll, I'll end this by saying that I suppose we can probably expect the cyber spoons to start popping up on eBay here in the West anytime now so that Tesla fans over on this side of the world can start buying them for, well, we'll see how high the bidding goes. In fact, as I take a quick break here, I will do a quick eBay search for the Cyberspoon and see if any have in fact hit eBay yet. But for the moment, that brings us to the end of the news this week. Stay tuned. I've got plenty more Ride the Lightning for you coming up right after this. Hi, this is Franz von Holzhausen, and you're listening to Ride the Lightning with Ryan McCaffrey, the Tesla unofficial podcast. All right, I've got a couple of promo reads here, but I, I don't want to tease you forever on the Cyberspoon. So as of recording this on Friday night, there is precisely one McDonald's Cyberspoon on eBay. No bids. This, the opening bid is $20. So a Cyberspoon can be yours if, in fact, uh, that is something you'd like to have. There's one as of now on eBay. Anyway... If you have not already checked out Accelerate Auto's X-Care extended warranty options for your Tesla, be sure to do that. Head on over to accelerateauto.com. That's X-C-E-L-E-R-A-T-E-A-U-T-O.com slash X-Care. Don't forget that discount code LIGHTNING for $100 off of your purchase as the, uh, the dogs have entered the room and are now... Uh, Zelina is trying to get Bike Club started with Daisy here, so I might need to kick these dogs out in a second because it's a distraction while I'm trying to do a podcast and you're trying to listen to it. Anyway, uh, if you are interested in keeping your Tesla beyond the length of the manufacturer's warranty, either by time or mileage, remember you get four years, 50,000 miles, whichever comes first. So I'm a person, I'm going to be hanging on to my Model 3 for a while. If you're in a similar boat with your Tesla, you should at least check them out. Just uh, take a look at Accelerate Auto because they basically offer everything that Tesla does on their own extended warranty, but can go way past that. And you can customize it. They also offer the battery and drivetrain coverage now too. You don't have to get that, but that is an option there for you that you can opt into. So, you know, they, they've got all the good stuff if you do their plan, including the $100 deductible. They've got the... Uh, trip interruption coverage, they've got rental reimbursement, and again, the plan's flexible from anywhere. You can go up to 10 years and up to 125,000 miles. So check them out, accelerateauto.com slash xcare. Use that discount code LIGHTNING for $100 off of your policy purchase. Meanwhile, 
Storybook Destinations. You heard me mention them last week. You guys know I love Disneyland, and uh, I was so happy to hear from longtime Tesla owner and listener Tammy, who said, hey, I also love Disney, and I turned it into a career. So perhaps Tammy and her company can help you out. Storybook Destinations is your passport to exceptional travel experiences dedicated to providing unparalleled service that goes beyond your expectations. As an authorized Disney vacation planner, Storybook Destinations specializes in crafting enchanting Disney experiences from magical Walt Disney World and Disneyland trips to Disney Cruise Line voyages and uh, luxury global tours, pardon me, with adventures by Disney. But it's not just about Disney, the agents at Storybook Destinations are experts on cruises of all kinds, including river cruises, all-inclusive resorts, and worldwide tours to places like the Galapagos Islands, Antarctica, how cool would that be, pardon the phrasing, and the Arctic Circle. Contact the agents at Storybook Destinations today to book your next adventure. Storybook Destinations, where your dreams are their priority. Go to storybookdestinations.com or call 719-964-1718. All right, be right back in just a few quick seconds with the Ride the Lightning Hotline. I got to tell you, I am so blessed to have such a wonderful, caring audience, all of you listening, because I've got so many great phone calls lined up here in the Ride the Lightning hotline. I will get to as many of them as I can this week, and then we'll just keep it rolling next week. But if you would like to call in and be a part of the podcast, I welcome and invite you to do so. There are two easy ways that you can submit your question You can either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many people each week as possible, and then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take that same 90 second or less question and call in and just leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's that simple. The toll-free uh, number, pardon me, that you can dial anytime is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they are special. You can make a podcast out of those recordings or put them onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. First up this week, talking about the Highland, the new Model 3 is David from Essex. Hi, Ryan. David from Essex in the UK here. Sorry to send you this on what's got to be up there for one of your busiest podcast days ever. But it kind of feels like Christmas morning has come early with this brilliant Highland Model 3 that we've all learned about today. I've been consuming every shred of data I can on the car, but what stands out most clearly to me is what's not there, the performance having vanished. I can only conclude the delay is ultimately very good news. Perhaps the changes will go above and beyond what Tesla have previously implemented. Maybe even it will be a full-blown plaid rather than a performance, but perhaps that's just wishful thinking. What are your thoughts on this? Anyway, Ryan, I hope you managed to wade through the mountain of Tesla news today without staying up all night. Cheers. Cheers. 
Hi, David. Well, as is obvious at this point, I didn't get to your call or any calls on last week's podcast. But yes, as a performance Model 3 owner, I too have tried to figure out what the lack of a performance Highland means thus far. We specifically know that the battery and drivetrain are unchanged in the Highland. So the path of least resistance for Tesla would be to maintain that and just dial up the motors in the dual motor long range, throw some new 20 inch wheels and tires on it along with the larger red brake caliper kit, add a small carbon fiber spoiler on the the back and be done with it. And it's possible that Tesla may choose to do just that. But it is also possible that Tesla might take a bigger swing with the Performance 3. Maybe they go for a $65,000 plaid version that does 0 to 60 in the mid twos. I would say $65,000 because the Performance 3 now is $53,000 in the US. So figure on a $10,000 to $12,000 premium on top of that if you really want to go you know, all the way up to a Plaid 3, you know, you've really got to want to do that to spend, you know, to spend that much more than a long range 3. But then you have to wonder, does Tesla want the price and performance of that hypothetical Plaid Model 3 to rub shoulders with the Model S? I mean, sure, they're different size cars, but they would have to be different enough to not have the Plaid 3 steal buyers from the higher margin Model S. And I'm not saying the Plaid S, because there's a, obviously a huge gap there, but the $75,000 long range Model S that does zero to 60, as I mentioned earlier in the show, in a very healthy 3.1 seconds. And so again, maybe it would rub shoulders uh, with those two cars in a way that Tesla wouldn't want. Again, $75,000 for the long range S would get you 400 miles of range and that 3.1 seconds to 60. Whereas a a Plaid 3, if such a thing were to be made and it were to be $65,000, would be quicker to 60, but offer noticeably less range. Figure probably 300 miles even. So a good chunk less and noticeably less cargo space than a Model S certainly as well. Plus the lack of an air suspension. So I don't know. Maybe those cars, those two cars could coexist or, and I don't like this option, but in the interest of fairness, I'm going to say it out loud just as a hypothetical possibility. What if there isn't going to be a performance model three on the Highland? What if Tesla sells so few of them in the big picture? And we know how focused on the big picture that Tesla is. I mean, my guess would be that maybe one in 10 Model 3s that Tesla sells is a performance model. And yes, that's totally anecdotal just based on what I see in this Tesla-tastic San Francisco Bay Area that I live in. But the point is, if it's not, if it's more than one in 10, it's probably not too much more than one in 10. So there's maybe a chance that Tesla would just rather not even build them thereby streamlining and simplifying production. Now, apparently Tesla, the good news is Tesla seemingly told people at the unveiling that they are working on a performance Highland. So odds are this hypothetical scenario will stay just that hypothetical, 
but I still think it's got to be considered, at least. Obviously, the second we hear anything about a Highland Performance Model 3, I will share it with you here on the podcast. Thank you, David. Next up, also on the subject of the Highland Model 3, is Robert from Texas. Hey, Ryan, it's Robert from Texas. I'm just commenting on the change in the Model 3 on the steering wheel to get rid of the um, the stalks and, and go to everything on the steering wheel. I've been using that, obviously, on my Model X. We've talked about it before since last October. And what I can say is it is takes a little bit of training, a few months, but once you do it, you never want to go back to the stalks. It's just such a better visual and uh, way to drive. And, and because the horn in the middle works on the new Model 3, um, really you're only talking about the blinkers on the left side. And you just get used to you know what's right and what's left. Uh, much better system. I'm glad they're doing that in the 3. And uh, I think they should do that in the Y with, with the redesign coming on that. I'm sure they're going to redesign that over the next year. Uh, and really appreciate it. Thanks. Love your show. Bye. Hey, Robert, thank you for your opinion on this. It's pretty much a lock that the Model Y will go the stalkless route as well once it gets its Project Juniper refresh, probably around this time next year. And I hope that your experience will make some folks who are on the fence about it maybe feel a little bit better. One thing I worry about, though, is that it might be fair to say that SNX buyers who have already dealt with this might inherently be a bit more forgiving and accepting of a change like this because they're more expensive cars, right? It, it is a higher barrier to entry by default on the S and the X. So I do wonder if the more mass market Model 3 might not have as many people willing to take the plunge of a no stocks experience. I mean, it's possible that those buyers might just go buy something else. Obviously, as the host of a Tesla podcast, I feel like there isn't a better buy in the same price range or car class than the Model 3. But still, I am curious if Model 3 customers will, as a whole, be as accepting of this as SNX buyers have been. Thanks, Robert. Next up is Chris calling from just outside of Philadelphia. Hi, Ryan. This is Chris from just outside Philadelphia. I'm just calling to respond to your question about the Model Y, I'm sorry, the Model S yoke uh, replacement. Um, so I am an owner of a 2022 Model S Plaid, and I just had my steering wheel replaced on Friday, so three days ago. Um, my wheel was peeling pretty significantly. I put in a service request, and um, I scheduled my service for last Friday. They called me the Wednesday before and told me that that refresh wheel was not out yet. Um, and I did mention the July uh, mention or the July uh, um, information. He said that that has actually been pushed back, and I can delay my yoke replacement until November or December of this year if I wanted to, and the new wheel should be out by then. Um, mine was falling apart enough that I needed to have it replaced now. We're still saying that it's only one replacement under warranty, and then I'd have to pay for the new one if this one were to fall apart. So I got my new wheel on Friday. It looks to be basically the same as the one that I traded in. Um, right now, this one's holding up. 
we'll see. Last one lasted me exactly one year, um, and then it started to peel. So hope this helps. Have a great day. Chris, thank you for that update. That corroborates what listener Steve Solomon emailed to tell me, which is that his St. Louis service center told him, quote, the newly coated yoke is now scheduled to be available in late September. And uh, Steve added, I'm hoping that timeline sticks better than the old yoke coating. So zing, Steve, well done. Uh, it would appear then that the improved materials yoke has been pushed back a bit for everybody, regardless of which side of the USA-Canada border you're on. So thanks again, Chris, and also thank you to Steve in St. Louis. Next is Andrew from from Orlando responding to my Hertz experience with uh, maybe something a little constructive that could hopefully help everybody out. Go ahead, Andrew. Hey, Ryan, this is Andrew from Orlando, Florida. Given the couple of recent calls about the uh, EV rentals, as well as your personal interest in that, I wanted to give out this tip. Might even be a pro tip. There is a company, kind of a weird name, it's called UFO Drive, as an unidentified flying object drive.com. They're a European company, and I've rented with them a couple times in Europe, rented a Model 3, had a really great experience, Model Y as well. But they also are now here in the US. They're actually at quite a few airports and other locations. Just rented with them for about 10 days in LA for only a few hundred dollars for a Model 3. Amazingly cheap for a rental car, especially in California. On top of that, though, all of their cars, Europe, US, wherever you rent with them, the charging is included. There's no charges for charging. You can do it at superchargers, third-party chargers. They include cards for you to tap in as needed. For superchargers, it's easy. You just plug in. And again, they don't charge you to charge your car. It's awesome. Check them out. Thank you for that recommendation, Andrew. I am very happy to share your positive experience with everyone. And I will say I will vouch, even though I haven't used UFO Drive, I will vouch for Andrew. For anybody that may just be doubting this, is is he, oh, is he just kind of sneakily selling something? Pretty sure he's not. Andrew, I've I got to meet him at the Tesla owners, uh, TeslaCon Florida event that I was invited to last year. In fact, Andrew was kind enough to pick me up from the airport in his beautiful Model S. We got to talk a lot about Tesla, about theme park stuff, because we both like Disney stuff. So uh, Andrew's good people. And so I am confident that this UFO drive is something to keep an eye on as a, as a rental option moving forward as well. Thanks again, Andrew. I'm going to go next to Rob from Toronto, back on the subject of the Highland. Hi, Ryan. It's Rob from Toronto. Longtime listener, called before. Uh, great show on the Highland. It was very informative and well done. I love your enthusiasm. Uh, two interesting questions about the Highland model. I'm concerned about the new taillight design and what will be visible when the lift gate is raised, particularly when the car is uh, at night, when the car might be stopped beside a road. And the other thing is, uh, you know, we've been getting a lot of our Model Ys and Model 3s lately. Maybe all of them are coming from Shanghai. Uh, because of the Chinese batteries, and and uh, I wonder if we may get the Highlands available here in Canada before they're available in the U.S. Be interesting to see. Anyway, take care. Bye. I really appreciate the kind words, Rob. Thank you very much. You've raised a valid concern about the taillights. As you may know, there is a law in the United States, maybe Canada too, I'm honestly not sure, that says if the taillights are on moving bodywork, 
there have to be other fixed taillights on the back of the car for the exact safety reason that you mentioned. And indeed, the lights at the top of the air diffuser just below the bumper, so it's down low on the car, uh, down on the back, do serve this function. Now, as to the possibility that Canada gets the Highland before the United States does, I admit I hadn't considered that. It is certainly possible. The Fremont factory had been prioritizing American deliveries for tax credit purposes here, and Tesla has already warned us about the reduction in tax credit on the Model 3 for 2024, so that might negate the need for Shanghai to ship cars all the way to Canada once they're ready to, to expand Highland out to other territories. And there's the fact that Tesla didn't already announce it for Canada like they did for Europe, China, Australia, New Zealand. So my guess, taking all that into consideration, is that it seems like Canada is probably going to get the new Model 3 at the same time that the United States does. But you are absolutely right that such a possibility of getting it sooner, getting it from Shanghai, is in play. I've got time for one more phone call this week. It's from Bill in Switzerland. Hi, Ryan. This is Bill from Switzerland. I got a little news nugget for you from Europe. I don't know if you've heard, but on Tuesday, the 29th of August, Tesla celebrated their 10th anniversary of their first supercharger in Europe by offering free charging on all European superchargers from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. And this not only for Teslas, but basically for all EVs. So during the day, the superchargers were really busy, much more than on a normal day, with many people benefiting from this offering. Whilst I personally didn't go, I still thought this was a very clever way of doing marketing. So that's it. Thanks for the good show, Ryan. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you, Bill. I did see this, but I ran out of time to get it onto last week's Crazy Busy podcast. But I agree. This is a wonderful piece of marketing that's made even better by the fact that it directly benefits Tesla's existing customers. You love to see stuff like that. I think the 10-year anniversary of superchargers in the United States was last year here, but come to think of it, I don't recall Tesla doing anything like this or really kind of marking the occasion in, in any way that I can recall. If I've forgotten about it, email me, let me know. But either way, maybe we'll get something here in the U.S. for the 15th anniversary of the superchargers in 2027, which that'll be here before we know it. It'll come up quick. All right, thanks so much to everybody for your awesome phone calls. Again, I will get to more of those great phone calls on next week's podcast. Feel free to keep those calls coming. I gave you the call-in instructions at the top of the segment. So with that, I'll be right back with yet still more Ride the Lightning right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. Welcome back. Well, as for what's going on with me and my car, I continued daydreaming about a Plaid Model S after the price drops last week. I went so far as to measure the width of my garage door opening to see if the new S would even fit. Now, on paper, it says it would, but getting it in and out would probably be a huge hassle because... 
it's longer as well, and there are always cars that are street parked on both sides of my street. I can't afford it anyway, especially with today's interest rates. I mean, the Model 3 loan that I just paid off a few months ago was 59 months at 2.49%. And I got that loan in 2018. I would probably be looking at almost three times that loan now, but it's right. Wife's not on board. It's, you know, it's all just a dream. It's okay. It's okay to daydream. You know, it's, there's nothing wrong with that. Nobody gets hurt by daydreaming about a plaid Model S. Anyway, here's an entertainment recommendation for you this week. Archer, one of my favorite shows on TV is back for its final season. If you're not familiar with it, it is an adult animated series about a basically kind of bumbling spy in this spy agency. The voice cast features a lot of people formerly from Arrested Development, and it's been really funny for a long time. It's had its ups and downs, but it's back for a final season that just started. That's on FX, but I am watching it on Hulu, if that is of interest to you. Pro tip of the week time, here's Remus from Washington. Hey Ryan, it's Remus from Yelm, Washington. I don't know if this is a pro tip or not, but something I just discovered today, August 10th, 2023, I was getting into the audio settings. You tap on the, uh, you know, the little graphic bar to go to your audio settings where it says tone, balance, options, sources. If you flick up on the faders, the sliders, like all the way up for the sub and everything, mine only went to six before I flicked up really fast tonight and discovered that they go to eight and the subwoofer each time you flick it up it'll go to 11 slapping boost boom 9001 i mean it it's funny little easter egg i don't know model s and x volume goes to 11 but the subwoofer in the model 3 goes to 11 also Good find on this Easter egg, Remus. I know this might not necessarily fit the traditional definition of a pro tip as you alluded to in your call, but I'm gonna go ahead and count it because it's amusing and it's something that most of us probably didn't know about our Model 3s and Model Ys. And for me, that qualifies it as a pro tip of the week. Thank you very much for sending it in. And if anybody else out there has a good pro tip of the week, something about the cars that you think isn't obvious that other people would want to know about, feel free to send it in so that I can share it with the Ride the Lightning audience. And you can send that in the same way that you send in the regular Ride the Lightning hotline calls, which I gave you the instructions for a little earlier in the podcast. Before I get out of here, let me mention some friends of the podcast that my hope is that they will be beneficial to you at some point in time, maybe now, maybe a little further down the road. I start, as usual, with abstractocean.com. They've got so many excellent aftermarket Tesla accessories, everything from interior lighting kits in multiple colors to center console wraps, if you've got the older style center console as I do, to the fourth generation tempered glass screen protectors that use the same aluminosilicate glass that Corning uses when they make Gorilla Glass. All that so much more on abstractocean.com. So when you head over there and you shop around, you can just click on whichever car you have and it will filter all the products that are available for that car. Get everything you like, put it into your online shopping cart, and then use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout 
to get 15% off of your first order. That's RTL Podcast, all one word, no spaces. Next is the snap plate. And as I mentioned last week, there's some there's some new product activity going on with the snap plate. There's a snap plate plus now and a discount for you. So head on over to everyamp.com slash RTL. The coupon code that you're going to use is also RTL. So don't forget that URL and don't forget that coupon code. And basically, as I, as I mentioned last week, as the founders of the company, I've met the two of them. They're both very nice guys. As former nuclear power plant engineers, they say safety and conservatism is ingrained in us. So we designed SnapPlate to be the safe option we wanted for our personal vehicles. But we've learned over the last four years that different people have different priorities. And many customers just want things to be as strong as possible. So SnapPlate Plus is designed to give those customers the strongest possible mount. The snap plate is safety optimized with breakaway features to sacrifice itself in a worst case scenario like a parking accident or car wash. Meanwhile, the snap plate plus is strength optimized with hardened features for maximum strength. Both have the signature minimalist design aesthetic that'll blend in really nicely with the front end of any of the four Teslas. Both are made from recycled plastics made in the USA with stainless steel reinforcement. So again, that's everyamp.com slash RTL if you'd like either the snap plate or the snap plate plus. Budgetsafesolar.com is there for you if presumably you will, as I did, check Tesla Solar. And if Tesla Solar doesn't end up being the right solution for you for whatever reason, I do encourage you to at least check out budgetsafesolar.com see if they can design the right system for you if that's going to be a good partnership as it was for me Uh, they now also offer home battery storage as well so you can get the entire closed loop system if that is of interest go to budgetsafesolar.com to get in touch with them if you do end up proceeding with an installation for your home or business please use the referral code RTL meanwhile Immaculate Reflections, the fine San Francisco Bay Area-based detailer. If you and your car are going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area, I could not possibly recommend a spa day for your car over at Immaculate Reflections more. Uh, They are just so good at what they do over there. Jeff, the master detailer and owner of the business, does a great job whether you want to do ceramic coating paint protection film on some or all of the car, paint correction, or one or more of those things combined together. The more you go, the further you go, the more insanely stunning your car is going to look. And you're just going to be happy. I promise you that you're going to pick up your car and you're going to be happy. So get in touch via his website, irdetailing.com. And as you reach out through the website, mention that you're a Ride the Lightning listener and any work that you book in with Immaculate Reflections will come with a nice little discount attached to it. So that's very kind of Jeff to offer to the Ride the Lightning audience. And finally, puretesla.com slash RTL. That's your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode setups. It is a micro SD based solution, which is far more reliable for the constant reading, writing, the constant wear and tear 
that the dash cam and sentry mode need. So uh, I use it. I am definitely a person that recommends this product. Head on over to puretesla.com slash RTL. $49 will get you the 128 gigabyte kit. $69 will step you up to the 256 gigabyte kit. Either comes fully formatted for the Tesla cam and they can be, they're just plug and play. You take them right out of the package, plug them straight into your Tesla. Works with Mac or PC when you want to review the footage. And while they will ship anywhere worldwide, there's free shipping anywhere in the US. So check them out, puretesla.com slash RTL. Finally, my Patreon found at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast, Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. As I mentioned at the top, as I, as I hope is obvious when you listen week in and week out, there's a lot of time, a lot of research, a lot of love, energy, and enthusiasm that goes into this podcast every single week. And I am here every single week. So uh, I would humbly ask that at some point you may feel like, yes, I love this podcast, Ryan. Thank you for, for the effort you put in. And I am willing to support you on Patreon. You can do that on patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Pick whichever support tier you feel is the right one, whichever one's going to work for you. The uh, basic $5 a month tier, just five bucks a month, you will get early access to each week's podcast. If you step up to the $10 a month tier, you will get the early access to each week's podcast and you'll get that weekly lightning round bonus mini episode that I always mention the topic of at the top of each week's podcast. So as I said, there's 62 of those now. So there's a lot of them up there. Lots of content for you waiting uh, if you back me on Patreon. You can follow me on Twitter and or Instagram. My handle on each is DMC underscore Ryan, a nod to my DeLorean Motor Company ownership days. So uh, you can follow me there if you'd like. You can email me anytime. My email address is teslapod... <clears throat> oh, lost my voice there. I'll try that one one more time. teslapodcast at gmail.com. That's how I know it's uh, it's time to wrap the show up because my voice has had enough here for uh, for this particular Friday. teslapodcast at gmail.com. And with that... Uh, oh, I guess I'll just mention, even though uh, nobody's been using it lately, which is fine. I'm glad people are finding other other referral codes to use. But if you are purchasing a Tesla and you need a referral code, you know, there's a discount on all four of the Teslas now if you use a referral link, in addition to those loot box credits that you get that you can redeem for actual Tesla merch, or if you accrue enough points, Tesla upgrades like the acceleration boost, FSD, premium connectivity, etc. So um, if you if you just need a code and you don't have anybody else in your life, I'm here for you. Just type in ts.la slash Ryan73014 into your browser, hit enter, and that will take you to the Tesla Design Studio where you can configure any of the Teslas that you like, whichever one you want to buy, and it will configure it with those referral bonuses and perks baked into your order. Finally, let me say hello and thank you to the higher tier Patreon backers. I'll start with the Roadster in Space tier crew this week who are the ultra mega super generous folks who uh, as in, a, in return for that 
ultra generosity, they get a one-on-one Google Hangout with me, a one-on-one chat each and every single month should they elect to use it. So thank you. In addition to every other perk that all the other Patreon tiers get, because the, the, the perks stack up. So thank you very much to the Roadster in Space tier backers, who are Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Howard Anthony Smith, Victoria Iacoveto, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, Carol Weston, and Robert from near Philly. Next, the Maximum Plaid crew. These folks get invited to the monthly group Zoom hangouts that uh, I guess, yeah, we just did, uh, we did last week, right? Yeah, that was last week already. Gosh, the week flies. When we had a great time. The, last week's, or I should say this month's Patreon group Zoom hangout, which is for anybody at the maximum plaid tier or higher, or I also extend a one-time invite to that for anybody that makes a new or upgrades a pledge. I give you a little, little kind of thank you invite to that one, one time. So, We couldn't have timed it better this month because, of course, just at the end of last week, we had the Project Highland reveal and we had the SX and FSD price drops. So we had an awesome conversation. We went over time again, I think by about five minutes. So great chat. Thanks to everybody that was able to turn up for that. There is an audio recording of it if uh, for any of you Maximum Plaid or higher backers that weren't able to make it, but do want to listen to it. So that's on Patreon, on my Patreon page. But thank you to the Maximum Plaid backers, Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, the Galpin family, Ryan from New York City, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Watley, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Derek Nesselrode, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Corey O'Donnell, Aaron, John Cody, Joel Sapp, Paul Casarino, Richard Corley, Chris Osborne, KB, We Drive Tesla EV Luxury Car Rental in Oahu, Chris Pratt, Ken Epstein, Doug Carey, James Gregory, Adam Lavoy, contact1callcenter.com, Jason Chalukas, Travis Krenzel, Bruce Otterstein, Tom Behan, Josh Pennington, Matt Kalin, John from Cream Ridge, New Jersey, Sean Tisdale, and Dustin Hart. And finally, a thank you to the Plaid level supporters who are grandfathered in to all the perks that they deserve, even though the plaid tier is technically no more on the Patreon. So thank you to George Cassiopo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, Dorian Steve Guberman, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Dennis Peake, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia family, Aaron Altshul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, the Tesla Owners East Bay Club, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Ish, not Elon Musk, Peter, and the Bear Boys of Colorado. And with that, 
We have reached the end of uh, another fairly lengthy episode here. Uh, hopefully you found this to be a valuable use of your time as you listened along. I, I am always very cognizant of trying to be respectful of your time. Last week, it couldn't be helped. There was so much, and I, I haven't received a single complaint, so that's good. I, I hope everybody enjoyed last week's just crazy, exciting show, one of the biggest Tesla news weeks that I can ever remember. This week, there was still plenty to go over and lots of your great phone calls as well. I wish I'd had time to get to more of them, but we'll do that next week. So for now, I will sign off of episode 423 of Ride the Lightning. Happy electric motoring, my friends, and I'll see you back here next week, same time as always, Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.